0: Turn with me to Psalm chapter one thirty nine. Psalm one thirty nine. Going to be doing a series on prayer, but one of the things that is important to understand when you talk about prayer is to understand God's heart for you. Um, I I remember the first time I ever held my little girl, my first baby. Same was true with David, but. It was amazing, just an instant connection and how much I loved her. And then I remember thinking a few days later, as I was thinking about all that, I thought about the fact that God calls himself Father. And sometimes that obscures things for people because they look at it through the lens of their earthly father. If their earthly father wasn't what he should be, they tend to think of God in that way. But God is the perfect father. And his heart toward us is perfect. And uh, if you know Christ today, I want you to know God has a heart of love for you. If you don't know Christ, I want you to know that God has a heart of love for you. And God so loved the world that he gave his son. We need to understand God's heart for us, because what I've found in my own personal life is that if I view God in the wrong way, I tend to avoid Him. Have you ever thought, God is angry with me, God is disappointed with me, and you just really didn't want to go and have quiet time, or maybe you just really didn't want to go to church because you thought, well, God's disappointed with me, and and He doesn't want to see me, and you just felt that way in your heart. Well, I want you to know that if you know Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So God sees you through the lens of Christ's perfect righteousness. If you are not a Christian, the Bible says in Romans 5.8, God shows his own love for us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sees you perfectly. He knows you perfectly. But he loves you perfectly. And his arms are open to receive you when you come back to him. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know? Uh, David, in this psalm, is thinking and meditating on the greatness of God's heart and love for him. And he's just filled with worship. And he's awed. He's by the perfect knowledge and the perfect love of God for him. Uh, we need to know God's heart for us so that we will be motivated to pray and seek him. The time my message is knowing God's heart for you. Uh, look with me at verse 1 of Psalm 139. Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand about me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inner parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know this full well. My bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked. You bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. Who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. David's prayer against his enemy is a prayer of of faith. We're to love our enemies, but we can also bring our struggles to God in prayer. But I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus today on what is God's heart for you. What can we learn that will motivate us to worship him and pray? First of all, I want you to see his complete attention. His complete attention. Verse 3, he says, You are aware of all my ways. Have you ever thought that your mother had eyes in the back of her head? She just happened to know what you were doing, even though nobody had told her, and it seemed that she didn't see you do it, but she happened to know. God truly does know every detail of your life. He gives you his complete attention. Have you ever had a friend zone out? Uh, I've had that happen. Or maybe you can tell uh, somebody excuses themselves or hangs up the phone, whatever it is, and you can tell, hey... They're tired of listening to me. I just need to, to back off and let them be. Listen, God never takes his complete attention off of you. Never. He sees and watches you when you sit up and when you sit down. He, he sees all of your ways, everything is underneath his gaze. Why? He cares about you. Have you ever watched your kids sleep? You just love them, and so your gaze is upon them, and you're just kind of enjoying seeing them sleeping. It sounds kind of weird sometimes if you're on the receiving end of that, but uh, uh, parents understand. You, you love your kids. God, God loves us, and His perfect attention is on us all the time. Trust that God cares for you, and His attention is on you. Share with Him your burdens. Tell Him your struggles. Uh, know that even though he knows your faults, he loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus uh, gave us a way to draw near to God even despite our sin. Repent of it, confess it to God, but don't let it keep you from him. His complete attention, knowing God's heart for you. Secondly, I want you to see his gracious help. His gracious help. Look at verse 5. You have placed your hand on me. He talks about being encircled. I, you, Lord, you're all around me. You're helping me. You're, you're putting your hand of empowerment upon me. You're helping me with my life. What a wonderful thought to think that God would help you in me. We were sharing this morning in Sunday school, we had a, a prayer answered. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that God cares about the details of our lives? He answers prayer. He helps us. He fills us. God says he's given us the spirit of God called the helper, the comforter, to come alongside us when we're struggling with grief or we're struggling with sin or whatever we're struggling with. And he is the one who comes alongside us to help us in life. Keep your... Prayers going up before the throne of God because God truly does care for you. He will help you. If you are despairing in your life in some situation that you're facing, take that to Him. Even better, share it with a friend who can pray for you. And both of you take it before the throne of God. Can I tell you something? There is power in taking those things to the Lord. He will help you. I've seen God help me with sickness. I've seen God help me In my job. I've seen God help me in my family relationships. I've seen God help me with enemies. In every facet of life, God is available. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Make sure you ask him. His gracious help shows his heart toward us. So, how can we discern his heart for us? First of all, his complete attention, his gracious help. Thirdly, his continuing presence. Look at verse 7. Where can I flee from your presence? And he begins to list different things. If I went over here, if I went over there, the highest mountain, the depths of the sea, it doesn't matter where I go, wherever I go, you are with me. Sometimes earthly relationships don't last. Sometimes earthly people abandon us. Sometimes the most dear people in our lives abandon us. But God will never abandon us. His continuing presence is always there for us. Um, there was a song the Gaithers wrote years ago entitled, We'll Be There. And uh, I remember the first time my parents heard that song, they started crying in the front seat. And I, I, my brother and I looked at each other like, what's going on here? You know, uh, why are they crying? And, and they heard us, and Dad said, when you're parents, you will understand. we'll be there when you skin up your knee. We'll be there when you climb to the top of the tree. We'll be there in all these different situations. God will always be there. David said in one place, if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. His continuing presence. Trust in the continuing presence of God. You say, well, I don't feel like God is present. It doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not. He is present. He has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. Come before him. Take your request to him in prayer and trust him. He is with you. Knowing God's heart for you his complete attention, his gracious self, his continuing presence. Fourthly, his perfect leadership. His perfect leadership. Look at verse 10. Even there, your hand will lead me. Think about that for a second. The God who created all there is, all of the universe, who controls and has the stars named, the God who tells the oceans how far they can go, he leads you as if you're a child of God. He leads you. You'll hear a voice saying, Here is the way, walk in it, one scripture says. The Lord is our shepherd. Guess what shepherds do? They lead their flock. Jesus will lead you in your life. There's a couple of ways he does that. He does that through the word of God. We need to listen to him through through his word, but he also leads us through his Holy Spirit. We need to follow his leadership because, guess what? He knows exactly what's best. He has perfect wisdom, perfect understanding, and guess what? He knows you. (laughs) He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for his kingdom. Uh, Trust his leadership. Follow his leadership. It's perfect leadership. All of us as human beings, we fail sometimes. Some of us are leaders. All of us can look back to mistakes that we've made, to failures that we've had. God never fails. So take your confusion to him and ask for wisdom. Ask for his leadership in your life. His leadership is one of the ways he expresses his love to you. Noah's heart for you. His complete attention, his gracious help, his continuing presence, his perfect leadership. This is one of my favorites, his intentional design. His intentional design. My son loves sports cars. And he will tell me, you know, I used to know those when I was a teenager. I used to know all the sports cars and Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all of those things. But uh, David knows all the new ones. And he'll tell me, hey, Dad, did you see that? You know, or, or, you know, Or take a look at this picture. He's fascinated by these, these cars. I want you to know something. There are a lot of things in this world that are fascinating that men have designed. Think about uh, a building maybe that you've seen or a bridge or uh, all of these things. You ever hear a symphony? If you like classical music, some of you are like, oh no, don't go there, preacher. But, uh, you know, all of these things, they, they reflect the design of a human being. But I want you to know something human beings are the design of God. Look at what he says in his word. You created my inward parts. By the way, the inward parts. It's kind of an ambiguous Hebrew word. It can mean your physical inward parts, but it can also mean your emotional makeup, who you are as an individual, your your soul, your mind, the way that you think. God designed you, not the sinful part of it, but He designed you. He made you that way on purpose. There's a movie, Anne of Green Gables, I saw years ago, and and, uh, she said, uh, I found out that God gave me my hair, and I haven't forgiven him since. (laughs) But the fact is, God's design shows his care for us. I had a friend who uh, used to make model cars and did a great job. I did it for a little while, and I wasn't that good at it, but he was great. And, I mean, it looked like something that came off a showroom floor when he was done with it. His brother fell on one and crushed it. Well, he proceeded to uh, introduce him to the Board of Education. (laughs) I don't know what he... he, In other words, they they got in in a scuffle over it. He was very upset that his brother had damaged this thing that he designed. Did you know that's God's heart for you, but so much more so? God fashioned you for his purpose. Look at what he says here. My bones were not hidden from you. Verse 15, when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formed. What is he talking about? In the womb. When you were in your mother's womb, God was designing you. All my days were written. You've weaved me together, one of the Hebrew words means. The the idea is the the intentional design and fashioning of each individual person for God's purpose. His intentional design. That ought to tell you something about what God thinks about you. Somebody said that the, the DNA information in one of our DNA molecules is more than all the libraries, the information in all the libraries and all the computers on the face of the earth. That's how much information God has put into designing you. It's an amazing thought. Trust God with how he made you. Don't feel inferior. One little boy wore a t-shirt. He said, uh, "He says I'm something because God don't make no junk. And that's true. You have been fashioned for the purpose of God. Don't let anybody... Talk down to you. You're God's intentional design. So take your struggles to Him and trust that He cares. Then, next, His eternal plan. His eternal plan. Look at verse 16. He's talking about uh, the mother's womb here and the design of the mother's womb. But then He says, all my days were written in your book and planned or fashioned before a single one of them began. All of my days, God had a plan. You say, well, what about sin? No, that's not God's perfect will. God allows us to choose. But God had a plan. Romans eight twenty eight says, "...God works all things together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose." Even your sin and your mistakes, God has a plan to use them for good. If you know Him. If you don't know Him, He wants you to know Christ so that you can fulfill that plan and He can begin to bring that out in your life. His eternal plan. Before the world was created. You know what the Bible says? Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In other words... It was God's plan to send Jesus before he ever said, let there be light. God saw your need and my need. And he said, I'm going to have a plan in place. On that day when Roger will hear that message of salvation and his heart will be convicted and my spirit will draw him to faith, I have a plan. And on this day, at this time, on this year... I'm going to bring him to faith. That's God's heart for you as well. Um, <clears throat> His eternal plan. So you get to think about this. Have you ever had those days where you wished you'd have just stayed in bed? <laughs> I mean, I've had some days like that. We had a day Thursday. Uh, Sherry's gone. That just makes it harder anyway. But uh, I thought, you know, I'm going I'm to go home and I'm going to relax tonight. The kitchen sink was clogged when I got home. I had to snake it out. So I got that fixed, and uh, then uh, David uh, reminded me that, that he needed some medicine, so we went to get that, You know, and I'd showered and everything got ready. Walk in there, starting to get late. I'm thinking, oh, I'm ready to eat. And I hear this beep. The smoke detector's batteries are run out. So I had to run, get batteries for the smoke detectors. And a couple of them are finicky, so you have to t- stick four or five in there before one will finally work. And by that time, I was almost unchristian. And I walked to the refrigerator, and I thought, okay, finally I'm going to get to eat. And I opened up the drawer, and there's, I was going to make pizzas for myself. One piece of pepperoni. And I said, I cannot believe this. <laughs> and uh, at this point, you know, starting to get starting to get funny. So I just walked over to David. I said, David, you want pizza? He said, yeah. <laughs> so we went and got pizza. you ever had a day like that? You just wished, I had just marked that off my calendar. Just skipped that one. But can I tell you something? God has a plan even in those days. We may not understand it, we may not be able to put it all together, but God has a plan for every day of our lives. Next, I want you to see not only his eternal plan, but his frequent thoughts. Verse 18, if I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Think about how many grains of sand. If I had a bucket of sand, buckets say this big. Guess what? I'd probably lose count somewhere around the, just trying to get through that one bucket worth of sand. I doubt I can number every grain in that bucket. But God's thoughts to us are not like the grains in that bucket. They're like the grains on every beach and every desert in the whole world. Think about that for a while. His frequent thoughts. You remember when you first met that person you fell in love with? Thinking about them, you know. Throughout the day, you know, you're thinking about, oh, so-and-so. God thinks of you every moment of your life. More than the grains of sand. That's God's heart for you. Don't let the devil sell you a bill of goods. Don't let him tell you that God's done with you or God could never use you Or you'll never get victory over that sin. Or you'll never amount to much. Let God show you his heart of love for you. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus has a plan for your life. Jesus loves you. Be bold in your prayers. Take your sin to him and confess it. Ask him to quicken you with his Holy Spirit and live the life he's called you to live because he is able to help you and he cares. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact, Lord, that there's nothing that we can do that can ever take us outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. We're sent abounded. there to the grace much more bound. Father, help us never to forget the heart of love that you have for us. Let it motivate us to draw near to you, to seek your face. And Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you today, I just pray that you would help them to surrender their heart to you and put their trust in you. But Father, help us all to surrender. Help us all each day to regularly lay everything down to follow you because that's what you're worthy of. Lord, help us never forget your heart of love. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. If you're a Christian today, anything God does in your life, he does because of grace, not because you deserve it. I want to just encourage you to come to this altar. Maybe you have been away from God. Maybe you have kind of slid in your walk with God. I want you just to come to this altar and say, Lord, forgive me for neglecting my relationship with you. I'm going to choose to put you first in my life. I'm going to choose to be in church regularly, have quiet time with you. Um, Help me draw near to you, and I'm trusting you to draw near to me. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. The Bible says that... uh, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. The wrath of God remains on him. Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, and he died on the cross as your substitute to take the penalty, the full penalty for all sin, past, present, future. And he rose again on the third day. And the Bible says that if you will surrender your life to him and put your trust in him to forgive you according to his promise, based upon what he did at the cross, that God will forgive you make you his child, give you eternal life, and he will care for you and love you in the way that we just described. Um, I want to just invite you to take advantage of that this morning. I'd be happy to lead you through a prayer of commitment this morning. Um, I want to encourage you to come. Whatever God has laid upon your heart, maybe somebody needs to follow the Lord and believers' baptism, or uh, maybe you need to uh, join our church. God's led you to this place. Uh, Whatever it is that God has laid upon your heart, I just encourage you to say yes to Jesus this morning. Let's stand. You come. Number 434. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus i have decided to follow jesus no turning back no turning back though none go with me i still will follow though none go with me i still will follow still will follow no turning back no turning back and it's been good to be in the house of the lord looking forward to celebrating spiritual birthday party to get to eat amen amen isn't it great that we can do that that god has worked in our midst there's there's uh, people that have come to christ and um god has been good to us And I'm excited about uh, celebrating with Jordan and Cassidy. And Emma's not able to be here today. She's uh, with her grandmother at the hospital. But I just uh, thank you as a people for uh, when I was about 10 years old hearing, maybe I was 11, hearing uh, D. James Kennedy share about how God birthed in his heart evangelism explosion. And it was so cool. Uh, And God used that. In their church, it was exactly what God wanted to use their church to do. And guess what? They reached all kinds of people throughout Fort Lauderdale, Florida. How many people will be in the kingdom because somebody listened to God? God gave him some steps. He wrote them. I don't even remember what the steps were now. But he wrote those steps down and he followed those steps that God had given him. And God used him to, make, to do a great ministry. William Carey, the father of modern missions, it was a missionary to India. People told him if God wants to save the heathen, he can take care of it himself. He doesn't need you. But William Carey had, just had a great burden. And uh, he, he, had a, he had a map of the world, and he would, he would pray for different nations on the map. And God just gave him this great burden to reach people who hadn't heard the message of Jesus Christ. Finally, he said, listen, you guys may not give me money, but I'm going to go to India. God has laid it on my heart, and I'm going to go. wasn't easy for him. But can I tell you, God used him to bring many, many people to faith in Jesus Christ and to, to put the building blocks of a mission there in India and eventually affected the world and the mission-sending societies all over Europe and, and eventually in America uh, that, had, that have made such a profound difference for the cause of Christ. Why? Because somebody listened to God. What could God do with the people of South Clinton Baptist Church if we as a body listened to Him? Not just in the big things, but in the little things if we're obedient, to follow God in the way that we, we know to follow Him. I, I'm, I'm convinced part of the problem in America is that we haven't dealt with the fellowship issue. I think there's a lot of, a lot of churches, a lot of individuals who are living in sin, a lot of people who haven't confessed sin, um, and we're not hearing from God. And and it doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how many resources we have. If we don't hear from him, we're in serious trouble. Because I'm going to tell you something. The answer isn't in some expert's book. The answer is in an encounter with a living God. He's the one who can change things. What would happen? What would it look like if every person at South Clinton Baptist Church was completely surrendered to Jesus? I think revival would break out. I think we'd see things that would blow our minds, that God would do a work. Um, Our kids wouldn't forget, (laughs) that people in this community wouldn't forget. I want to tell you, when God steps into a situation, everything changes. Everything changes. What was hard, you ever swim upstream? You feel like you're swimming upstream in life? I experienced this at my last church. I was doing all this work, trying to do the work of, of the kingdom. Finally, I just said, God, this is not working. I'm just giving up. If you're going to do it, do it. And, and, you know, I just felt a freedom to kind of give up some of the things that I was doing. And God ended up sending revival. And, and what I was trying to do in my energy When God showed up in power at that place, it it was miraculous. Conviction descended. I want to tell you, there are people weeping at the altar. Nobody would come forward. People broken over sin, people repenting, people being changed, people being saved. And I didn't have to coerce them. I had one fellow, he told me, he said, for two months, it seems like you've been talking directly to me. And I, he said, do you know something about me? I said, no, I don't know anything about you. That's the Holy Spirit. And it was as though I'd been fighting upstream, fighting upstream, fighting upstream, and the switch clicked. God showed up, and now, like floating on a, on a raft on top of the water, just going where, where God's. Giving you the power to go, and it was all the difference in the world when God shows up. Listening to God, um, I don't know what the specifics of that looks like for you. Maybe the Holy Spirit has put His finger on something in your life and said, "You know, that's not pleasing to me." You need to confess that. Maybe you need to come to altar, you know, confess it in your seat. But confess it. (laughs) Um, I think probably most people here are saved tonight. Uh, You know, uh, uh, that's what I would think. But I don't know your heart. Maybe you need to deal with the relationship, or maybe you need to deal with with a lack of faith in your life. You just need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I I just haven't trusted you. I don't believe. You're going to do th- things in my life. I don't believe you're going to work in, in my life. I don't believe you're going to work in this church. I don't believe you can use me. And just tell him. And, and put it put it all out there. God knows it anyway. And say, Lord, change my heart. Give me a heart of faith. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Maybe, you're, maybe you have dealt with a relationship. You dealt with a fellowship. Uh... Maybe you, you, you have a heart of faith, but uh, God has, as we're spoken, God has put something in your heart to do. He's shown you the way to go. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's not the author of confusion, but sometimes you just know, hey, I need to do this. Um, I never will forget um, uh, my, uh, my friend Henry Lingenfelter came to preach a a revival for my dad years ago, and he preached on something that had nothing to do with forgiveness. But at the end of the service, the Spirit of God came down, and people that had been mad at each other for years went and apologized to each other. He'd not told them to do it. God told them to do it. <laughs> and they listened. And guess what? Revival went on. I think they had a service for it. Was like lasted three and a half to four hours long. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I want that. <laughs> but, uh, but that's what happened. I mean, they were all excited to have it. God showed up. Maybe God has put something upon your heart to do. Will you say yes to him? It's a powerful thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Lord, we, we do want to hear from you. Speak to us through your scripture. Apply that scripture to our hearts and our and to our specific situations through your spirit. And just impress it upon our hearts, Lord, as we seek your face. Lord, show us the way to go. Help us respond in faith. Lord, help us have an attitude of trust in you. Help us deal with uh, our, our relationship, our fellowship. So, Lord, that there, there can be open community.